Sports 2.0. Uh, lots of tired heads uh, around the place because some of us got up a little bit earlier this morning to watch the NFL Draft 2020. Of course, it wasn't taking place in Las Vegas where it's planned to be in Caesars. Um, it was taking place all virtual. So we actually got to see what many of like Jerry Jones, the Dallas Cowboys owner, what his house looked like. He was actually on a yacht. Anyway, just to let you know. And Roger Goodell's front room as well. So it was quite interesting. Some real mishaps taking place as well, but a lot of news to talk about. And of course, just as everyone expected, Joe Burrow taking number one, the Louisiana State's quarterback, goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. Lord have mercy on his soul. However, a big, big trade happened just before that. Alex B is going to cover that with us in just a moment. Before we go to Alex and Andrew, the European Athletics Championships that were scheduled for August in Paris have been cancelled. Well, we expected that. The Diamond League Athletics uh, races up in Norway will be going ahead as planned. They're called the Impossible Games. They'll be taking place behind closed doors. I spoke yesterday with a Norwegian official, said that they're not happy. However, the amount of money they will lose by not having these games means that they have to go ahead. Interesting one from uh, Jose, Jose Mourinho and David Moyes. They're out delivering food parcels. We, we broke it first where it started in Russia. So it looks like they're starting to take, um, take a lead from Russia for a change rather than the other way around. So instead of Russian fans trying to be hooligans, now the um, English managers and players are trying to be gentlemen. There you go. Wonders never cease. Uh, on that topic, being gentlemen, Eric Dyer, of course, charged with a fray for climbing into the crowd to confront uh, fans who were racially abusing his brother. We'll come on to that a little bit later. Uh, Liverpool and Atletico Madrid, we covered that on Tuesday. The whole issue of whether that game should have gone ahead in the Champions League, it did. And of course, the amount of coronaviruses, uh, out of coronavirus cases in Liverpool. It's going to be an inquiry, so they say. Uh, UEFA have suggested setting up mini leagues to uh, finish off the main leagues around Europe. Big questions to be asked around that. Of course, we have suggested that that in, for example, the Russian Premier League, that they break top half, bottom half and play off at like that. So let's see what happens. And the Bundesliga going to restart on the 9th of May. So that's quite an interesting one to uh, bat around. So welcome, say good morning out to Timur, to our man in Siberia, Andrew Flint. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. I've had a bit of extra sleep compared to you, I think, Alan. So I'm not doing too badly, but hopefully you'll be able to soldier on. <laughs> I'll try, I'll try. And to Alex B, who is covering the draft live for us, he's there in Rob Gronkowski's house, um, thanks to our massive budget. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Listen, where is Rob's house? Rob's house, where I'm currently at, uh, is in Tampa Bay, Florida, <laughs> which is kind of the reason why I'm here right now. Okay, we're going to come back and ask you that reason a little bit later because, of course, he's from up in Boston, but uh, you're down in the south. Not anymore, not anymore. All right, we're going to kick off right away. UEFA and mini leagues. Andrew, what have UEFA been suggesting and do you think there is any sense to it at all? I think the main thing to take away from, from yesterday's meeting is that they are suggesting, and it's still only suggesting not laying down the law, they're suggesting that all leagues should be finished based on sporting merit, not closed off as the suggestion, which I think is the right thing. I mean, they've got that part right. This is uncharted territory. We can't, I mean, I'm always happy to criticise UEFA for the amount of bureaucratic nonsense that goes on in Switzerland, but we don't, we don't know how to prepare for this. Leagues are in very different stages, very different TV deals, different priorities, 
different formats, different levels of promotion, relegation, different things they have to look after. So it leaves it open to exactly how leagues want to make the formats to close the league. But it is very much suggested that this will happen. I think the lead that the Bundesliga are taking has ever so slightly encouraged this. And I mean that in a positive way. And a lot of people in Germany have criticised the Bundesliga's decision to rush through the start of the season behind closed doors with plenty of, of tests for coronavirus um, with the same argument that most people around the world would use. Well, surely it should go to frontline workers and people who desperately need it rather than highly paid footballers just to fulfil a contract. I can't dispute that, but purely from a sporting point of view, if we are going to finish seasons, I think... It's interesting to see how this will go because other leagues may say, well, perhaps we can take a leap from their book or adapt it to suit our circumstances. But UEFA's announcement basically is encouraging finishing seasons rather than abandoning them. That's the main thing, which I think is important because it is the right way to go. I believe. One issue that was not raised yesterday, but it's something that they have to deal with very, very soon, is UEFA Conference League, Europa Conference League, which is kind of the third mm-hmm. tier um, for smaller nations especially. Um, it's planned to come in from next year. For 20. The Bundesliga is important, Premier League is important, but UEFA are simply caring, care only about their bread and butter, and that is, of course, Champions League. And Europa League, of course, to a lesser degree. There's an, a restlessness from, from fans, from stakeholders, from everybody involved in the game, really, about what exactly is going to happen. So, in a way, UEFA is stuck between a rock and a hard place because if they give an answer, there will be a large portion of society that will criticise them. If they don't, then people will blame them for indecisiveness. I think what should be absolutely, without question, indisputable, should be that whatever measure is taken, whether it's abandoning the season or not, the next football that is played should only be done when it is absolutely stone-cold stamped off by medical authorities as being in a safe period. Now, I don't know, and I'm sure virtually all people around the planet don't know exactly what is going to happen. We've seen announcements like a second wave, a third wave is is possible or likely to come. Well, how on earth do you forecast that? I think they possibly are rushing it. What they're saying is not completely wrong in terms of just the sporting merit should always be the next stage of how you close off a season. But when that season starts is the point. Obviously, and this may be a very long time. It may be very uncomfortable, but I'm sorry, but that's got to be the way it is. You know, it should only happen again when it is medically safe, not sporting, not on a business sense, not on contracts. I'm sorry, people's lives may well be risked. People's lives may be risked. Alex, uh, in North America, of course, they're very cautious about things. Are people willing to risk their lives for, for this to start back? I mean, and... Is there kind of a movement that fans now really want to see NBA, sort of willing to just sit at home, watch it on TV? Would you be willing just to sit at home, watch NBA on TV? Uh, well, yes. I mean, I would be willing to <laughs> sit at home and watch <laughs> NBA on TV. But, like, I think, like, everybody knows that it kind of just sucks. Like, people want to watch – like, everybody wants to watch their sport. We just can't right now. It's not safe. Like, like everybody's – like, nobody's angry. Like, everybody understands that this is, like, for everybody's safety. But at the same time, like, yeah, people want to watch their sport. It's, it's, it's all about hope because I discussed that with Johnson Higgins uh, yesterday. How can we – like, we're, we're in Ireland, they've banned uh, mass gatherings over 5,000 people. That means so much is gone. So all GAA is gone. 
the RDS Horse Show, League of Ireland matches, done. And for us, it's like, what is a summer without sport? Because summer in Ireland, it just the, the sport just boom peaks. So how would it be for in Toronto, Alex, with with no baseball? I mean, for the summer, because I know that the Blue Jays are a huge draw. Only only time will tell here. Obviously, like there like there's there's obviously like a huge fan base of for Blue Jays here in Toronto. Like there is like in August, like you will see like everybody's like wearing like the. The t-shirts and like the hats and everything yeah if, if it's not dealt with by by that time then obviously like all the well i mean like all the major like playoffs all like everything is normally in the summer here so all of that is going to have to like be shifted to like maybe the fall or like somewhere else and there's going to be like i think that in the month where it does end we're gonna have like a month of just like every sport just having like the craziest like showdown so I think that's really what everybody's just looking forward to. I, there you go. I, I think it could be like a like a Royal Rumble. Uh, UEFA, we've dealt with um, this stuff with Eric Dyer. Um, so it's the FA have charged him uh, for threatening <clears throat> conduct, for misconduct. Uh, now, it was all very unclear what happened because he jumped into the crowd after a game with Norwich, which yeah. lost some penalties. At the time, they, you know, the match reports and the, the stories coming out on the day seemed to suggest that he was angry about um, words spoken to a teammate of his. I, I, didn't, I didn't hear any more from it. And I, I'll be honest, this is, it, it seems like a lifetime away, but this really wasn't actually that long ago. This was only, what, seven weeks ago, eight weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so, yeah, so there was his, his brother um, was in the crowd. There was some words being spoken. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm in Eric Dyer's camp on this one. You see your younger brother in the crowd. He didn't physically abuse anybody, but he did climb up and said into the crowd, so basically stand up for his brother. He didn't start anything. He wasn't being the aggressor. He didn't physically intimidate anybody. He just he climbed into an area of the stadium that you don't usually see a fully kitted out player climb into. It's this culture of, oh, well, there's a big star. I've seen a picture of him. But that's all I need to know. So Eric Dyer, let's give him a, a, a punishment. If, if he gets a ban of any kind, I would be seriously, seriously quite angry. He needs to be spoken to explain, look, you, you can't just simply do that. You can't do it without some kind of explanation because there didn't seem to be a clear statement from Eric Dyer afterwards. Look, I, I apologise for no, people who no, saw me. But which I'm surprised at because that I think honestly would have got him off the hook if you like. I mean, you know, a slap on the wrist at most. I just think there's a culture at football. One of the one of the problems with football, in my view, nowadays, is there a culture. If you go in the stands, it's free reign to say and do whatever you like. The abuse, uh, racial abuse in stands, is is rife and is 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 improving, in the sense that people are self-regulating a bit. But you can say and do what you like. Why should fans? be allowed to do it just simply because they pay for a match ticket. And yet a player who restrained himself, I think, very well, relatively speaking, and he's the one who's in the spotlight and getting punished. I don't understand. Buying a ticket to go watch a game of football doesn't give you the right to go to, no. to abuse other fans or to abuse uh, players or officials. It's, it's a lot of nonsense. You can be very annoyed. You can call someone a asshole. Well, well, whatever like that. But you can call them and you can go, oh, for God's sake, where are you? But you, I mean, you can do I mean, that. I, there's, there's a limit. If, if you can't, for me, if you can't do it on the street without getting into trouble legally, then you shouldn't mm -hmm. be allowed to do it 
in a stadium. And we've seen Oof. it where in, in, in Germany with the fans uh, going after Dietmar Hopp, the Hoffenheim uh, owner. Yeah. And, and, and backer and given like you're know, calling him all sorts of names and then they're like oh well like you know it's okay because of this because of this yeah but you slam down on fans for that but the Bundesliga then led away other clubs fans for racial abuse it's all the same it's a person at the end of the day so if you can't say it in the street and if you can't say it face to face then shut your goddamn mouth because if you're not big enough to face someone that you're abusing shut up no, I, I, 100%. You explained it extremely eloquently and exactly what I would like to say as well. I mean, just one instant. I mean, it, it, I say an instant. One thing that, that crystallised this for me, when I was back in the UK over New Year, I went to Old Trafford for the f- first time in about 10 years for a competitive game. And I was sitting in the south stand, quite near the pitch, actually. And it was decent, decent seats, really enjoying the game. Went down for at half-time. We were all over Newcastle. It was brilliant. There were two people being led away by stewards. And I had just seen them go up the stairs about, I don't know, say about 15 seconds before I got out. And they were already being escorted out. Now, do you know what their crime was? They hadn't said any any abuse. They hadn't physically intimidated anybody. They hadn't said anything racist. They had brought alcohol into the stands. And the stewards, like this, were on them in a flash. Now... I'm not arguing against don't drink in the stands if that's the rule. But if you are that quick to slam down on that, they were just a middle-class couple, a married couple. They weren't, they were no, they weren't barely said a word all game. Clamp down on that. Clamp down 15 times more on things that actually matter. Alex, um, <clears throat> we've discussed this before. And actually, you brought it up. There was an incident in the NBA, fans abusing a player, or a fan abusing a player, and the player went after them. Tell us what happened with that one, just to, to refresh our memories. Well, this happened like about a bit over a year ago. Well, Russell Westbrook was, well, like one of the fans was like just being racist, like yelling racial slurs at him and sort of like that started like this whole like scuffle. It wasn't really a fight. But like the NBA has sort of done a good job at protecting its players when something like this happens because like the players are, as Andrew mentioned, like they get put on the spot and they get blamed for stuff like that happening when it's normally like it's just because the fans like can't handle a few beers like and then the players get are the ones that get all the the blame but like in the nba it's very quick to like kick out people for like ban people from arenas for life and like do stuff like that like if some like especially if like a racial because like you see in ice hockey where fans are mouthing at players and then players have gone into the stands after them especially when the the players were physically physically not verbally physically being attacked not being defended there were no police around and the players then hopped up over the glass and went into the crowd now i mean if you can't do it legally in the street, if you're not man enough or woman enough in cases to f- say what you are saying to the person to their face, then shut up. You, I remember that incident with, with uh, Westbrook. The fan nearly, I'd say he probably had to change his underwear very, very quickly afterwards. Right. Now we're over, back over in Tampa Bay in Rob Gronkowski's house. Uh, say hi to Rob for us. Why has Gronkowski gone to Tampa Bay, Alex? Well, first of all, I think that, well, I mean, he's still very young. When he retired, he was very, he was a very young player. So uh, maybe this was just, he just wanted to take like a, like somewhat of a break, which is like very common in like major sports leagues. Like Michael Jordan, like not to compare Gronk to Michael Jordan, but he took a break. Like he's only, he's only been gone for a year. He's still going to be a very good player. And obviously Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. 
So that's probably like what made him go to Tampa Bay as opposed to like going back to New England. Now what we have in Tampa Bay is we have Tom Brady and not only does he have Gronk, but he has like some there's all the, there's some like very good players in Tampa Bay. So now like with all the weapons that Brady has, they're becoming like a very formidable threat. Trying to figure out how they were going to do it. And they've got a very good offensive tackle in the draft from Iowa, uh, Tristan Wirfs, who uh, who's a very, very good player, big, big guy. And putting him in the offensive line with Tom Brady is going to be a huge, huge boost. The one thing with Gronk, I, I, I saw him, he has lost a tremendous amount of weight. Now, he's a big, big guy. I think he's about six foot, I don't know, one meter 92 or something like that, or 93. And he was, I don't know, 130 kilos and now he's down around 100 or maybe 95 kilos but he looks right. like a wide receiver how is he going to pump up to get back in shape so quickly for the new season oh well i mean he has all the time in the world he has like at least half a year before anything is probably going to kick off so he's probably already like the negotiations have probably been happening for quite some time now he's probably like known that something like this is going to happen plus at some point during his retirement, he wanted to join the WWE professionally, and he probably may have done some training for that. So, like, I, th- I think like athletes, like all those guys, like they're staying in shape. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he 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 looks amazing. I'm sure he uh, well pumped up and well looked after. He's got uh, the same doctors, most likely, as Tom Brady. It's, it, okay, it's good to see him back. Uh, I always worry because he retired because of a back injury. So, I think that maybe it's wise him coming back because he also had a number of concussions. So maybe. Uh, well, I think that. I'm not sure exactly like 100% what his like exact reasons are, but like, I think if he wanted to return, this would be the way to return because he's now he's with the guy that he's won championships with and they're with a completely new franchise. So if they take Tampa Bay to the Super Bowl, then what's that got to say about this duo? NFL draft. What went down in uh, your front living room? I mean, like, everything happened, like, pretty much as we predicted. Like, Joe Burrow did go number one because, again, like, the a good quarterback is very important in the NFL. It's a good start for these teams to sort of, like, build up on their way to, like, be building, like, a better team overall because these are all teams. Like, the teams that benefit, really benefit from the draft were the ones that were kind of at the bottom this year. Because the New England isn't New England. Isn't the New England that we, that we all know, that we all know and hate. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe Burgers taken first. Washington Redskins got a very good defensive end in Chase Young, probably the best player in the draft. Interestingly, Ohio State, uh, where Chase Young comes from, the next player, another defensive player, was taken by the Detroit Lions, the cornerback Jeff Okuda. Um, overall, four quarterbacks taken in the first round of the draft in the 32 uh, picks so far, at, well, earlier on this morning. Three quarterbacks. This is this is quite an interesting one. Three quarterbacks taken in the uh, top six picks. Of course, Burrow went first, and then at five and six, the Dolphins and Chargers respectively took Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert. Now, Tua Tagovailoa, he he was with um, Alabama. However, he spent most last season on the injury list. I mean, do, do you think that when it, when they're going to pay a lot of money for someone like this, Alex? Are are they prepared to let this guy just rest for a year and then bring him into the in, into the into play because he won't be ready to play for at least a year? So why would a team draft a really good player who should be number one if he wasn't injured, 
but are they prepared to wait for a year to give him a chance? And that's why, because he's number one. Uh, when you have the opportunity to get a player like that, like you don't pass on those opportunities. Like no matter what the deal is, if he has to wait out a year, it, like if he do, if he does have to wait out a year, then they can tank the rest of the season and without him, and then they get another good pick, and then with the, and then when he comes back and take that pick, so it's a win win. Like however you look at it, it's just they're not going to be as good this season as they're going to be next season. An interesting one uh, down in the twenty six pick, uh, another quarterback taken, uh, Utah State's Jordan Love. Now that was a traded pick so the, the green green bay traded to get that pick uh, from miami uh, miami of course they had the most picks overall they seem to have done pretty well uh, as well as getting their the quarterback that they they want even though i said he might have to sit out just a little while part of the season and um, they also got an offensive uh, tackle in austin jackson from university of southern california usc um, and they also then got noah igbinogeni uh, from auburn uh, cornerback Overall, Alex, I mean, you, you were covering the draft. How, how was it on this virtual level? Well, I mean, it's obviously going to be a bit of a... There's going to be difficulties with this sort of thing because it's never been done this in this way with nobody actually at the events. Just like, so it, it must have been strange for players not to physically be there at the draft and just sort of, I don't know, get calls or like how, how they let them know this, cl- this class of players is going to lose that, like, privilege i guess but like overall like it's going to things are like it's going to change like so it's not really something we should be getting used to by the way guys just so uh you know that they selected cleveland as being the nfl draft spot next year a video going live to the home of the oklahoma wide receiver uh what uh cd lamb okay so he was picked he ended up being picked by the dallas cowboys 17th overall but i don't know girlfriend says he has two phones he's on one phone another phone was sitting on his on his knee and his girlfriend were picked up the other phone and he took it away from her and just had this look on his face like don't you touch my phone just watch the video it's the most oh god it's it, it's painful to watch this was live on national tv so it's it's like no one commented you kind of ah, ah, ah but it was really threatening really nasty so uh yeah it just made me draw a bit of a breath and i woke up a little bit but watching that moment on video. So it's on, it, it went viral on Twitter just a few seconds, and everyone's making a joke about it, but it's very unfunny. Talk with the drafts. Um, would you like to see, maybe, maybe we could restart the English Premier League season just by if all the contracts are broken and we have a draft for English teams? I'll tell you what, it would certainly, um, certainly be one option that would uh, make people sit up. I mean, the, the concept of a draft in you know Western European football is is just a complete anathema. So it, of course we're talking hypotheticals here. I don't. I, I like. I love the spectacle of North American sport. I honestly, genuinely do. At, at university in England, I played a bit of American football and I watched it with a lot of friends. Uh, I don't like the concept of trying to level the playing field. I think you should simply be competitive. And if you're a well-managed club, you will rise to the top. If you're not, you will be relegated and replaced by someone else from the tier below. I strongly believe in that concept. It's the one thing that I I, I can't quite get to grips with um, when it comes to, to NFL. I, I watch it whenever I can. Um, and, and I love the spectacle, but the concept of a, a league season for me and the, you know sending players to the lower-ranked teams or the higher you know the high first pitch I, 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 it would never work unfortunately it would be fun it would be fun though 
Um, see Chris uh, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino going to Stoke City or something if they get promoted, you know, that sort of thing. But well, I don't think Paul staying at Man United. So that, that'd be even worse. <laughs> no view would pick him, that's true. Do you think the draft is fair? Because without the draft, I mean, Toronto will be, well, Toronto, the Raptors would be in Toronto. They'd be in, I don't know, God knows, somewhere in Albuquerque or something like that because they, you wouldn't keep the team there because the first big player that they got, of course, was Vince Carter. I think, is it, is it draft system fair to get the best young players coming out of high school or university and putting them into the... Um, into into the crappest teams well i think that was just like the the way like it's just not done any other way around here it's just sort of like they have a quota of how many new players they need every every year which is 60 and well i mean in the nba it's 60 yeah yeah football is obviously much more but like in the nba that's just how they do they have a 60 60 new guys every year go in and that's something that's like obviously like if teams don't want them they don't need to take them like they can always go overseas. They can always find talent, like in China and the Euro League, like all those other. But no, I think it's um, it's what made the NBA sort of and like the NFL. So like we don't have like real dynasties. Like aside from like in the NBA, like aside from the Chicago Bulls, like the Celtics, like dynasties don't really happen. Even the Golden State Warriors, who were unbeatable at the beginning of last year, are now like at the very bottom. So I think that's what makes that part of like what makes the NBA so interesting to watch. How come though then the teams that have been crap for so long, like Cleveland, they they just stay bad. Why then if this this bouncing out, Alex, that they, we, we we don't see that with the likes of Cleveland or you know Vancouver for example when the Grizzlies were there, they just couldn't uh, you know get a break. Uh, well because sometimes it's poor management, sometimes it's just now, City doesn't have interest, like as you've seen in the last dance before Michael Jordan got there, like the citizens of Chicago didn't care about the Bulls. So obviously, like nobody around the world really cared about the Bulls. So obviously that happens when, like what happened in Cleveland was they got LeBron and then they got good. So the team, what happens normally is when your team is doing well, this has been like the curse of the Raptors for the past couple of seasons because <laughs> they were always not good enough to get to actually win anything, but they were good enough to not get good picks in the draft. Ah. Which is what kept them in place for such a long time. You see, like when the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, when they got their franchise, they did the same thing. They got some good players and then they, they built, 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 but they had to hold on to franchise players to get a fan base and then rebuild very, very quickly. But they were bad for a long, long time. Same with Ottawa Senators as well. What then about the Toronto Maple Leafs? Because, I mean... That's a, a club that should be having great success, but... Well, that's just, like, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they have won in the past, so they don't really have the same, I guess, hunger as the Raptors, who haven't won a championship until last year. Well, I don't. I really don't know why the Maple... This is something that every Maple Leafs fan asks themselves every, every June, because we don't get to July. We only get to mid-June in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's always just like it's something that it's like a curse that can't be broken. Well, I mean, it's good to see the Canadians do crap as well. I mean, you can't like the Canadians; it's impossible. You you don't want them. Before we go away, we've got a few minutes left. I know that's very racist against Quebecois, but still, um, there you go. I thought um, Canadians were lovely people. <laughs> no, Canadians are. Quebec Quebecers uh, are different. Quebecers are very very different. As Alex, as Alex can say. But I actually thought their jerseys are some of the nicest in the NHL. Like the blue and white and like the red. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I actually, I, no, I still, I'm old school. 
I always go back to the early Anaheim Mighty Ducks when they were owned by Disney. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Now we're going to wrap up now because we've got a couple minutes left. So this coming week, uh, this coming Monday, the next two episodes are going to drop for The Last Dance, uh, the one that we've been speaking about, the, the uh, documentary film about the Chicago Bulls. For me, the way you guys have described it, it seems like something I've got to pay my undivided attention to because yeah. I'm fascinated by it too. So this weekend I will catch up. Alex, you're, you're looking forward to so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> do you think that they're going to play a trick on us and we're going to start to like Michael Jordan again? I think that's part of the... That's obviously not the main reason for the release of this documentary, but I think it's part of the reason. I think Michael Jordan, he's obviously... Like, he made some donations not too long ago to a charity. I think he's trying to become like... He's trying to make the people remember that he's the greatest of all time now in the era of LeBron. I, I definitely think that's part of that's what they're, what they're going to try to get us to do here. But at the same time, they're not really hiding that Michael's not a good guy. Yeah. I think they're going to bring up his gambling problems as well. That's going to come up very, very soon. They've hinted at it with Scotty Pippen. It's going to come out. Alex, thank you very much. We'll talk to you again. All going well on, on, well, we'll talk on Monday once we have everything set up. So have a good weekend. Thank you. Have a good weekend, gentlemen. Andrew, have a great weekend. Take care of yourself. Cheers. Thanks to you, Adam. Okay, folks, that is it for Cowboys Force 2.0 this Friday. So we've looked at the NFL draft. Joe Burrow went number one to the godforsaken Bengals. And football is coming back. Take care and uh, look after yourselves. We'll talk to you on Monday.